Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. I'm excited to have our next guest on the C2C podcast, Cesar Manata, who's a community manager at Stack Overflow. Stack Overflow is a question and answer site for professional and enthusiast programmers. He helps run the Stack Exchange community, which is an umbrella that consists of over 170 communities. Take a listen. Caesar, if you can describe what Stack Overflow is and what you do there, that'd be a great place to start. Yes, absolutely. Well, Stack Overflow is, like you mentioned, a Q&A site for programmers and developers, where the goal is to generate a repository of searchable knowledge that can serve millions of developers with quality questions and answers. We generate knowledge through helping people, basically. Do we know how many developers there are in the world? Like, is there a number and is there some huge percentage on Stack Overflow? Because I feel like basically every developer in the world has used Stack Overflow at some point. I th- I don't have hard numbers at the moment right now, but uh, it's very common that one trend that we hear is that, yes, I search answers there all the time. One of the challenges is actually getting people to engage and answer questions and ask questions. You work in a community for developers. And a lot of companies that we've talked to have developers in their ecosystem, but they haven't built a community for them yet. How would you suggest I start to build that kind of community from scratch if that's the kind of audience that I'm going after? I think first thing you need to consider with any community, be it a developer community or any other, is figuring out why are you building that community? What's the purpose? What business goal? If it's a company doing it, business goal, do you want to drive with it? What do you want to achieve with it? And once you have that, then the other crucial part of any community is figuring out what your members want. What are their needs? What are their pain points? So for us with Stack Overflow, for example, it was about giving them tools, resources, and knowledge so they can better execute their jobs, so they can find even other jobs easier. We have a job board that is supposed to be better to find a developer job than anywhere else. We want to be better than LinkedIn, better than any other job board for those audiences. So if we're talking about developers, you need to solve one need that you think that audience has. For us, it was the need for knowledge and the need for a career. You can also, some of the other communities around the Stack Exchange Network also grew around hobbies that are common. So we had video games, we had cooking, we had math physics and other academic subjects that may interest people who are also developers. You know, even discussions about a hobby can be something that that's a need that you serve. People also need to have fun. And if you're solving that, that is one need. But then you need to tie it back to the company need. One thing about Stack Overflow feels like, and I have actually, at Bevy, we have used the Stack Overflow job board. So that's a great product. But it's always felt very authentic. Like it feels like, you know, the intent of the product and whoever built the product uh, was really around what you said it was, which is educating and helping and, you know, 
bringing sort of collective minds together to empower individuals, you know, or just developers. So I think that sort of authenticity sort of comes out in spades with the product. Um, you have been a community manager in the gaming world for a long time. Are there strategies that you saw in gaming communities that could help tech brands or entertainment or consumer of companies that are running community that may be different from the developer community that you're running today? Yes, definitely. I think one of the key things in gaming is volunteer management. You have super passionate users. You have players who love what you do, your products, and and they want to help. They want to be part of it. And the key things with managing volunteers is that you need to make sure they stay happy, they stay engaged, they don't get bored before doing, but also the other part of it is that they don't burn out. Because when people are very passionate about something, when they really want to help, and it's a huge part of their identity of who they are as a person, they tend to sometimes do more than they can handle. Do more. Not they don't know how to do it, but they overdo it because they like doing it so much. So it's super important to, whilst you're also figuring out the value that you're bringing with those volunteers and with all the activities that you have planned for them, that you reward them appropriately. And those rewards... Ideally, I always like to work with intrinsic rewards instead of extrinsic rewards. So it doesn't become a transactional relationship. So, you know, you don't give them in-game currency, for example. But you can do fun activities. You can do, you know, off real, off not, not online, but like offline get-togethers. You can do parties. You can do exclusive access things, even exclusive access to your developers, to your company, bring them closer and give them a motivation that is part of it rewards part of what they like instead of just being a thing instead of just being money or anything related to it and to minimize burning people out i mean when you see somebody that's doing above and beyond and kind of going way out of their way do you tell them to stop do you tell them to slow down do you put some sort of brakes on people like how do you like are those conversations you have are that like how do you manage people that look like they're headed to, you know, basically spiraling or out or burning out? Ideally, you want to build that into design of whatever product or feature or anything that you're building the community on, because you don't want to rely only on you noticing it. Sometimes people will burn out before there are any alarms. But if you don't have those sorts of checks and balances as a feature by design, then definitely I would say, go talk to them, go realize what are their pain points are? What are they mad about? What are they complaining about? And, you know, even if they're not complaining about anything, they're doing super cool things and you figure out like this person is spending 12 hours a day on my product. That seems a lot. So maybe, you know, maybe reaching out and then sending a private message or just scheduling a talk is, I think, always appreciated, especially if it comes from someone the person cares about. You've done community at several companies. How do you convince the people in power, the senior people in the marketing, the community, you know, the CEO, how do you convince these people that this is worth investing in? How have you seen it work or, or maybe not work? I think this is totally on us in the community feud and community industry to prove that the key thing I've always said is community should not be considered a cost. And I've seen multiple times it being considered a cost. You have to prove that it is an investment. There is ROI, return on investment to be had with community. And 
for me, the way you show that, the way you prove that is twofold. One, you figure out what business goal you're driving. You need to talk the business language. You cannot only say like, yeah, but people will like us better if we do that. That's not a business goal. You need to understand what the stakeholders, what the VPs, what they care about. And you need to figure out how are you delivering on things they care about. Once you understand what it is, what you're delivering on, then you can go about proving it. And proving it, I've had a lot of help involving any data science team you may have in your company. Those people are generally great help. And it's really cool if you go and ask them, like, I have these questions. How can you help me answer them? No, you don't need to go with a set, like, I need this bit of data because we're not data science. Leave their job to them, you know, just, I need to prove this. I I have these questions. How can you help me answer that? The other way I can, so you establish some sort of ROI and then you can prove on it. For example, you can look at monthly spending or lifetime value for a customer. If it's a free-to-play game with microtransactions, for example, that's easy. You can look at, you know, how many a person who's in the community spends, how much a person who's not in the community spends. There are some causation and correlation issues there. You cannot prove that they are spending more because they're in the community, but that's generally okay. If you can get the stakeholders to agree that difference of lifetime value of a user is community return of community, you have already huge ROI. The other way we can do that, instead of just assigning dollar values to things, is go ahead and talk to people across your company. Talk to your product manager, ask what do they need? How can you help them do their job? What information would be helpful? Is it product feedback? Is it testers? Is it better bug reports? Whatever it is, deliver on that. Make sure you are delivering on things that help other people do their jobs better. That will be noticed. Those people will be your supporters. When you go and ask for money, you can say like, all those areas, I'm helping them. You know, I need money to help the company grow better or anything that you're doing, not necessarily growth. But those are the two ways that I believe I've done it and I think works. Yeah, I really like that idea of going and just asking questions and doing customer development basically with other groups internally and saying, what are you struggling with? And seeing if there's a match there that you can, you know, maybe they've proven the business value or maybe it's an established channel like marketing or sales or something or customer success or whatever. And then you go to them and you try to sort of latch onto some of their goals and some of their business objectives to sort of, you know, hitch a ride on with them and then help them in the process. It's really cool. Yes, I've been able to get people who heavily supported community who didn't even know what the community did for the company before. Because, you know, with that simple question, how can I help you with what sort of either data or numbers, what do you care about? And then improve and deliver on what they care about, not necessarily what do you care about? I think we need to get away from vanity metrics, such as like number of followers, number of members, number of likes on Facebook, et cetera. Those don't tell a story. Yeah. And the metrics that do matter or the most important metrics to you, it's not those things. No, uh, those things, I, I don't think they matter at all. Uh, I think the metrics that should matter for a community are the metrics that the company and the stakeholders and the higher-ups care about. Whether it's sales, whether it's revenue, whether it's growth or whatever it is, figure out how to deliver on that. You know, And on that thought, do you then use that data to drive decisions and to drive the community forward? Are you sort of tweaking and changing and adjusting the community based off of those business metrics as they're coming in or, or not coming in, making adjustments to get make them higher or to improve them? Yes, absolutely. I think there are two core things that you always need to consider when building any community, which is the first one is all that business side of things. And then there's the core need of your users, your community members that you are solving. 
why those people want to spend time on my site and not any other place on the internet. And the sweet spot is figuring out how do you deliver on what do my members need, what sort of activities get them excited, what sort of programs, programming, content, whatever it is that get your members excited about and make them come back and participate and be there and be a part of that community. And then how those activities translate into what your business needs. Sort of like a Venn diagram, you have two things and you need to find the sweet spot in the middle. Switching subjects just a little bit, sometimes negativity, trolls or you know, other things can creep its way into the community. How do you suggest that people address this or how do you handle this and, and how do you get things back on the right track after you have? I think this is a very, very large topic that a lot of people are still figuring out. It's not something we have solved in the internet. I think the internet still struggles at large with this. But for me, currently, I also gave a CMX talk on this, but for me currently, it's a matter of culture. It's a matter of what your peers believe is right and wrong. What is the moral code of that community? What is right? What is wrong? What it's called for? What's not called for? What's demanded? What's justice? What does punishment look like? And so when we're talking about changing a toxic environment, we're talking about changing a culture. That it's a slow, painful process, but it can be done. We've seen it done with several things. Smoking used to be super cool when like now it's frowned upon. You do it through positive reinforcements. So we reward the members who behave the way you want people to behave. You spotlight their content. You make it visible. You make it desirable to get a reward. It can be status. It can be recognition. It can be access to the company. But you give them benefits for doing cool things. Coupled with that, you also punish, obviously, the bad actors. But we can never fall into the pit of believing that punishment alone is enough because Behavioral psychology has figured this out a long time, for a long time, which is that punishment alone doesn't drive change of behavior. It is a part of it, but you also need the positive reinforcement side of things to change any kind of behavior. And when you begin changing the behaviors of small individuals here and there, you begin also changing the peer pressure and the way that here's how we act around here. Because when people join a community, they want to be part of the group and they sort of mimic their behavior to what they're seeing. So if everyone's positive and welcoming and nice, and, and that's kind of the norm of how we do things around here. I think that phrase is very powerful. That's how we do things around here. That's culture. And you know, you need to make sure that that's how we do things around here. It's not toxic. So this is the C2C podcast or the customer to customer marketing podcast. Stack Overflow has this incredible online community of developers. Talk to us about what you have done in real life, getting people together, or and have you seen positive, negative effects from that type of community building versus the online? I think getting people together in real life is sometimes crazy hard, especially when you talk about an online community because there's people across all different zones and times and countries and continents even. But it's so rewarding. It's so valuable. There's a magic moment that happens when people who only met online meet them, meet for the first time in the offline world. And companies can benefit greatly from those relationships because ultimately you may attract members, you may attract people by the activities, by the content you have, but people are going to stay a long time for the relationships they build, for 
the people they get to know and for all the connectedness of it. I think one company who managed to do it greatly has been Blizzard Entertainment. They have a huge culture with BlizzCon and with, you know, doing offline stuff besides the online stuff. And there have been marriages, children, lifelong friends that met on those offline events. And once you have that sort of connections in a community, it's very unusual for a member that has that sort of connection in there to abandon it. So it's a great way to keep members long term. And finally, we love to end these podcasts with hearing what communities you like and or follow or respect or take inspiration from. I have a special place in my heart for CMX, which Bevy recently acquired. I think. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I think that no, but but it's it's true. It's real. The meta community of community managers, I think, is great. I thinking about CMX Summit when I spoke at and. I'd never met so many great people in one field in my life. It was an awesome experience. Everyone was nice, welcoming, and I had great chats with people in different areas, different different industries. And I also made friends. I've made contacts. And this community helped me get better at my job, actually. I do better as a community manager because of it. So I'm thankful for it. Well, I feel the same way about it. And that's how I got engaged. And it was just participating and learning from it. And we have CMX Summit September 5th, 6th in the Bay Area. I think we're going to hopefully meet in person there. Yes, I'll be uh, there. Caesar, and thank you so much for being on the C2C podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y labs.com slash pod.